Revelations chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years." Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, though whose numbers is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God of out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each according, each one according to their work, his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Good morning. There's a number of things going on in Romans chapter 2. And to understand Romans chapter 2, you have to understand Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, the gospel message is given out to the people of Rome. And then the first thing you talk about as you talk about the gospel is how you relate to the law of God. And he starts talking, it seems like, to the Gentiles at the end of chapter 1, talking about their wickedness as a sinner and their relationship with the wrath of God. And the wrath of God, if you'll remember when we were in chapter 1, was present tense. So in other words, the wrath of God was every day revealed because of the Gentiles' sin. 
And then in the chapter 1, it actually gives a list of the different sins that are being committed. But in chapter 2, he changes. He talks now not necessarily about a person doing the wickedness, although they seem to be good people, moral people, they still are sinners. And one of the first sins he talks about is they're judging other people. And that's where we are in chapter 2. Chapter 2, we talk about the sins of this moral sinner and how they cannot avoid their day in court, that God will hold them accountable for judging others. God wants every sinner whether you're an outstanding wicked sinner or you're an internal moral sinner, he wants you to repent. And he shows his kindness, his tolerance, and his patience to you with the one purpose that you will repent. He wants your change of heart. And if you don't, He says there's a day coming where you will experience the wrath of God. There was uh, the father of uh, Alexander the Great. And his father had a servant, a slave, that followed him around everywhere he went. And one of the jobs of this slave was to tell him every day that he was going to die someday. That was the whole purpose of the slave, to yell at him and tell him he's going to die. Now that's a pretty good reminder, especially for a wicked sinner participating in dastardly sins and a moral sinner who tries to be good and still sins. Because when death comes the ability to repent will be gone. The ability to repent will be gone. Verse 5, chapter 2, Romans. Because of your stubborn and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Stop there. That's far enough. This is a huge verse. This is such an important verse for Paul that he's trying to explain to you that the gospel message is designed for sinners to save them from the wrath of God. It is so important that he's trying to tell the moral sinner, you need God. The wicked sinner, you need God. You need to repent He is trying so hard to communicate the need to repentance, he has to make up three words in one verse. Three words that we only find in this verse, in the entire Bible. You don't find it outside the Greek until after this is written. It seems like Paul creates three words so that you understand your need to repent. 
that you will understand how important it is for you to repent. You want to know the three words? <laughs> verse 1, verse 5, first verse. Here we go. Because of your stubborn, your stubbornness and unrepentant heart. What happens when a sinner applies the law of God to his life? Now, this is the law of God which is information about God, revelation about God, and what God requires for you to be saved, to be a person, your morals, especially for a moral sinner, the law was important because they thought, because they got the law, had the law, knew the law, that it made them special. And because they were special, it didn't really matter what they did, because God had given them the law and made them special. But with the law, there's something that happens to a person. What happens when a sinner applies the law to his life? Number one, the moral sinner will not repent. The moral sinner will not repent. Now, I have worked at seven different churches in my life. Seven. And every single one I've been at, there's always been a person, at least one, who thought they were saved because they were morally good. They did more good things than bad things. Therefore, they thought they were saved. They thought they went to church, and that somehow saved them. They had an attendance pin for going to church continually all year. And they thought they were good. And they thought because they went to church, because they had a Bible, that God would somehow let them into heaven. Every single church. I was at one church, and I had three of them on the leadership board. <laughs> that was a hard church. What happens when a sinner measures himself against the law of God is they think everybody else needs to repent. But I have done nothing wrong. That is exactly what you'll hear from them. I've done nothing wrong. I have not killed anybody. I have not gone to jail for anything. I'm not evil. I'm a good person. And they experience the goodness, kindness, patience, tolerance of God. And you would call them a hypocrite. Hypocrites are deceived in several ways. First way a hypocrite is deceived is that they think that somehow they'll escape the wrath of God by their actions that they do. Second way they're hypocrites deceived is they think God doesn't write a person off just because they've sinned. That God lets sinners into heaven. By the way, if you allow one, hit, one sinner into heaven, that makes heaven 
hell. They think that God's kindness, tolerance, and patience is God's blessing upon them, not God's desire to get them to repent. Every good person I've ever met in a good, in a good church always thought that somebody else needed to repent, but they never did. And they continue to go to church, still probably to this day, thinking that they'll get to heaven because they're good. Paul says they have a stubbornness about them, a hardness about them, a stiffness about this, a stiffness that does not bend. It's a picture of a dried up branch that's hard to break. This is a word, stubbornness, that Paul makes up, it seems to be. He just makes this word up. It is not found anywhere else in the New Testament. It's not found outside the Bible until they talk about this verse. This is where Paul tries to emphasize the point he's making that there are moral people that will not repent because of their stubbornness. There may be some people in this room that are stubborn. <gasps> they may be hard to break. They may be a branch that won't bend. And where do you find the stubbornness? Not in their actions, because they'll go do good things. You'll find it in their heart. They know Christianese. They know the words to say. They may even know how to pray. But in their heart, their heart is a rock. And if you get close to them, you'll find out their heart is a rock. And that they've never repented of their sins. Oh, they'll judge you when you sin. But they have never repented. Paul makes up a word for you. Stubbornness. Instead of turning from their sinful ways, they resist the kindness of God. The moral sinner assumes that his faithfulness to the covenant, to the law, to the Bible, to what, going to church, they think they're laying up treasures in heaven. But Paul corrects their theology and says, you're not laying up treasures in heaven, you're laying up wrath of God. You're not storing anything good. Your heart has become unresponsive, insensitive to God. You have an unrepentant heart. Unrepentant. See that word? That's our second word that it seems like Paul makes up himself. It seems that it's only found here in the Bible. It seems that you don't find it outside the Bible unless somebody's talking about this verse. 
unrepentant, unresponsive, insensitive to the relationship with God or God's Word. The Greek terms only found here. Paul's trying to make sure you understand how important it is that a moral person understands their heart is wrong. The moral sinner who judges others cannot seek repentance. He's stubborn and unrepentant. He refuses God's gracious pardon of sin through Jesus Christ. And that is the worst sin of all. His heart, there's no change in his attitude in his heart. There's a hardness in his heart. He likes sin, but he won't show it to other people. He won't acknowledge his sin. He won't repent of his sin. Jeremiah puts it this way. Jeremiah 4.4, this is a good verse. Circumcise yourself to the Lord and remove the foreskin of your heart. In other words, you need to be a new heart. You moral sinners who judge others, you cannot continue down this road. You have to repent of your sin. You got to circumcise your heart. You got to become a new person. A heart can only be circumcised how? By the Holy Spirit. By repentance. By faith in Jesus Christ. And you make it. Okay, here you go. (sighs) Dave, come here. Come here. Now, this hurts. This is hard. Because every time you call somebody up, you never know what they're going to say. Okay? I don't know what you're going to say. Here you go. (laughs) Now, have you ever made cement? Have you ever mixed up cement? Yes, sir. Yes, excellent. Now, how do you mix up cement? Tell us how you do it. Well, I took a bag. A bag of what? Of dry, powdery, ready mix. Ready mix. Which has sand and gravel and Portland cement in it. Okay, good. What do you do? I broke it open, stuck it. Well, I stuck it in the wheelbarrow, and then wheelbarrow. I broke it open. Okay. Took the paper out. Right. Mixed water. Water. You added water added to it. Water. You added water to it, and what'd you do? I mixed it, or I Jerry mixed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. With the shovel. Okay. Good. And then what did you do when you added water to the cement? Well, it got mixed. Okay. With the powder. You mixed up the powder, uh-huh. and it became what? Uh, well. The right, here's the word for you, Bill. Slump. It's huh? Slump. You got the right slump. It's you had to right get the right slump. texture to okay, it. Okay, the texture Stiffness to it. Stiffness to it. Okay. Right? Then, let's say you put it in a hole. What would happen to it? It would harden. It would harden. Yeah. And then, you would continue shoveling it with a snow, with a, with a shovel when it was hardened in the hole. Well, hopefully I was done with the job by then. Why? I'd put the fence post in, pour it in, and be done. Why? Don't, you, don't you shovel it some more when it's in the hole and it's hardened? Well, maybe get the air bubbles out. Okay. Yeah. Then when it gets hardened, what, ha- what happens to it? Can you change it? No, it's done. It's, it's done. Hard. I can't it's make hard. it back to powder. You can't make it back to powder. No, you can't, can't add water to it no, and make it soft again. No, I can't. You can't. Thank you. Go yeah. sit down. <laughs> now, some people's heart are hard. They're cemented in. What makes them cemented in 
is that over the years, they've added to their life, their heart, sin. And they attach that sin to their heart. And they like that sin. And they love that sin. And what happens over time, when you continue in that sin, and you're doing sin so much that it's a habit of doing sin, your sin becomes cement. And your heart is a cemented rock in your chest. And there's nothing, nothing, no adding water, no pouring salt on it, will ever make it into moldable heart again because it's cement. You cannot shovel it anymore. It's hard as a rock. In order for it to become soft again, it has to be something supernatural. It has to be a miracle. It has to be a miracle. And those people in the seven churches I'm thinking about are hard hearts. They're cemented in. And they will not be changed because they will not surrender to God and repent of their sins. And everything they do looks good to everybody else, but their heart is wrong. And they know it. Because they mixed in sin to their heart. And they are as hard as a cement block. Paul had to make up a word so that you would understand how hard your heart is. It's stubborn and unrepentive. It will not repent. It will not repent. And you are storing up wrath for yourself. Second question here. What will the law do to a rebelling sinner? What will the law do to a rebelling sinner? If you are a hard heart, if you are a cemented heart, if you are a heart that will not repent, and even though you come to the best church in Wichita area, nothing the Bible taught, preached, prayer meaning, nothing will break that cemented heart. What will the law do to a rebelling heart? If you have a hard heart, what will happen? You are storing up wrath for yourself. Put it this way. The moral sinner will daily add to his personal wrath of God. He will say to himself, God's kindness and loves me. He's kind to me. He loves me. He blesses me. Because I'm a good person. And they deceive themselves, thinking that the kindness of God is not leading them to repentance, but being given to them because of their good works. You think that God owes you and gives you a good week because God owes you. You think you've done a lot of good things for him last week. He should give you a good week this week because you did things for him. And he owes you. And that's exactly what a cemented heart thinks. Cemented heart thinks, I do things and God blesses. And exactly the opposite is true because God blesses to get you to repent. God is tolerant to get you to repent. God is patient with you so that you will repent. Because there will be a day where you die and repentance will no longer be available. 
and your good works will not do you any good. The flow of God's wrath is slowly filling up behind the dam of His patience. You're storing up. The moral sinner is storing up for himself not blessing or life, but wrath. The moral sinner is headed for problems. Real quick, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, we're just going to go to the crescendo of the story of verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. We're just going to touch on this. We don't have time to go into all the aspects of this, but there are false teachers in the church in Thessalonica, and they're trying to get the people away from good theology, trying to get them away from the gospel, trying to get them away from life with God. And the false teachers are being accused here in verse 16. Now notice what happens in verse 16. Verse 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. And with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But the wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Here you go. There are some things going on to these false teachers. And Paul's trying to point them out to the people at Thessalonica. First off, persecutors or false teachers are headed to judgment. They're headed to judgment. They have filled up the measure of their sins, so there's no way of escaping their sins. In other words, they've done so much sinning that their heart is cemented in. Their persecutors, the false teachers, are under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is upon them to the utmost. They have the maximum wrath of God they possibly could have. And they go to church. But the wrath of God is upon them. The wrath of God is upon them because they try to keep people from sharing the gospel message with other Gentiles. The false teachers are trying to stop the gospel message. And you know what happens with these cemented heart people that go to church? Is when a visitor comes, they somehow, by their actions or words, they get people to leave. Because maybe they'll go up and start talking to the visitor and say, uh, what'd you do last night? And they say, well, we went dancing last night. And the person with the stone heart, with the cemented heart, will say, you didn't dare go dancing. Don't you know what they say about dancers? They don't get into heaven. Of course, there's no verse for that. But that's what they'll say. And all of a sudden, that visitor thinks about next Sunday morning getting up and going to that church? No. They're not going to go to that church. And they stop people from coming to their church, which is a good thing because a stone-hearted person doesn't want their church to change like that because ever since the first century, false teachers have stopped the gospel message from spreading. They don't want the gospel message to spread. And the false teachers... <laughs> don't understand that they have one more day to repent. They think it's God's kindness because they deserve it. They think they won't ever have a day of wrath where they have to stand before God. Turn back to Romans chapter 2, verse 5. In the middle of the verse, an unrepentant heart, you are storing up yourself wrath for yourself. 
I like that. Wrath for yourself. The sinner stores it away in their own personal account. There's no group savings account for wrath. You like that? You get your own wrath. If you are cemented heart, church-going, moral sinner, you get your own wrath. It's stored away for you. <laughs> the only thing keeping you away from the wrath of God is the kindness, tolerance, and patience of God. But when the tolerance and patience and kindness of God is over and you breathe your last breath on this planet and you wake up, you will be judged. God's wrath and His eternal displeasure with all unrighteousness will be displayed to you. Eternal life and wrath are already partially realized. Isn't that great? Eternal life starts now. It starts now. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins, you're a believer, eternal life begins now. You enjoy some of the fruit of the Spirit now. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven. You get it now. Same thing with the wrath of God. If you're a cemented heart, morally good person, you're experiencing wrath now. But you don't realize that you're under wrath. You think some other sin is pulling you down. You think you, the city is falling apart because all the sinners in town. You don't realize that it's God's wrath, present tense, being revealed in your life. You don't realize the problems you're having are part of the reason of God's wrath. You don't realize that some of these things that happen is God's wrath. You think you're a good person. You think. The wrath of God, by the way, is dealt with in 630 passages in the Bible. You can't go very far reading through the Bible. By the way, you know a smitten-hearted person doesn't like reading the Bible? Doesn't like going to a church where the Bible is preached. Because it's always talking about wrath. And that's exactly what you're headed for. Here you go. In the future. In the future, what will be revealed by the law to the rebelling moral sinner? What will the future have for you? What will happen in the future? The unrepentant heart, chapter 2, verse 5, you are storing up for yourself wrath. In the day of wrath. There is wrath being displayed each and every day, and there will be a day of wrath. Put it this way. Now, I know this is wordy. Don't yell and throw things at me. I know, I know, but I want you to hear what Paul is saying here. We'll go through it slowly. In the future... The moral sinner will realize on the day of revelation that the day of wrath will put him before the great day of the judgment of God. That's the farthest interpretation of what Paul's trying to do here with all these new words. He's trying to make you understand that there is a day of wrath and there'll be a day of revelation and a day of judgment. And all three of these things happen to the moral person who tries to do good things. This day of wrath and this day of revelation and this day of judgment is all in your future. And if you go to your grave before repenting of your sins, you will face a day of wrath. 
That will be a day of revelation. That will be a day of judgment. A totally, totally, totally bad day. You will experience a day of wrath, which God will reveal to you, and you'll understand that your good works will not save you. You'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do great things for you on our church, in our church, through our church? Didn't we do great things? And you'll say, depart. Jesus will say, depart from him. I never knew you. There'll be a day of wrath, a day of revelation. Your eyes will be open, and you'll have a day of judgment. And you'll stand before God, and God will work with you. The day of wrath in the Old Testament was talked about for the Gentiles. You have a lot of passages talking about the Gentiles headed for wrath. Then, if you take another read through the Old Testament, you'll find almost equally number of pages talking about the wrath of God being revealed to the Jewish people. Why? Because they had been given the law of God. They had been given the privilege of knowing the law of God. And still with the law, or let's put it this way, with the Bible in your lap, you still have a cemented heart. Zephaniah 1.15. Oh, this is great. Zeph- write it down. Zephaniah 1.15. Don't turn there. You'll never find it. Here we go. Zephaniah Chapter 1, verse 15. A day of wrath is that day. Day of wrath. Well, tell us, Zephaniah. A day of trouble. A day of distress. A day of destruction. A day of dissolution. A day of darkness. A day of gloom. A day of clouds. And thick darkness. Zephaniah is trying to give you opinion, (laughs) insight. And by the way, he's talking to the Jews the people who had the covenant of the God, who had the law of God, the people who have been privileged, the religious people, the people who went to church on Saturday, that you have a day of gloom ahead of you. The righteousness from God is being revealed in the message of the good news. At the same time, the wrath of God is being revealed against sin. Wrath is the only just response a perfect holy God can make against unholy people. The wicked sinner and the wrath of God is present tense, chapter 1. Every day, God's wrath is revealed only to get you to repent. The kindness of God every day is revealed to you, so you will repent. But if you don't repent... From the wrath of God you're tasting now on this planet and the kindness of God, you will get a day in the future that God calls the day of wrath. The only difference between a wicked sinner and a moral sinner that seems like it's talking about Gentiles in chapter 1, seems like it's talking about Jewish people in chapter 2, the only difference is that the storm in their life is seen by the Gentiles. Whereas the Jewish, the moral sinner, things seem to be good. They recognize the kindness of God. A pastor said, this is great, he said, quote, even in the present time, God's wrath is being revealed. The sinners are storing up wrath for the future. 
God's wrath is being revealed today, every day. And at the same time that it's being revealed, you have a stored up wrath you're going to experience if you don't repent. You have to repent. Don't allow others to deceive you about sin. A person cannot be saved from the wrath of God by deceitful and empty words. You have to have the gospel. A day of wrath and revelation. A day of revelation. On that day, the, rebel, the righteous judgment of God will be revealed. You'll be made known. You'll understand the wrath of God. In the end, it will be fully clear the human condition, the outworking of God's wrath. You'll think back this life and how the wrath of God was shown. And you'll think and know the righteous judgment of God is to come. Third new word is righteous judgment. Two English words for one Greek word. Righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. He had to come up with a word so that you would understand, you cemented heart people, that you need to repent. The Greek terms only found here in the Bible. Paul seems to be stressing, striving for words that will maximize the impact. Wicked sinners and moral sinners take everything good from God they can and continue to sin, thinking he will overlook their sinfulness. There is hope. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me in the day of trial in the wilderness. Ezekiel 36, 26. Moreover, I give you a new heart, a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. You will be careful to observe all my ordinances. You can be saved. And if you don't, the Bible says you're going to stand before a great white throne. Matter of fact, turn there. Revelation chapter 20, where we did our scripture reading. Revelation chapter 20. What will happen to the wicked sinner or the moral sinner who does not repent in this lifetime when their name is not found in the book of life? Here you go. This is a long answer. You don't even have to write it down. Just read it. There are too many answers to put on the screen. So I'm done putting it on the screen today. I'm going to let you write down. If you're a wicked sinner or a moral sinner, I want you to write down the scariest events I'm going to mention to you that's going to happen to the wicked and moral sinner that they will face on the day of wrath. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. A lot of thrones in the book of Revelation. This one's a great one, a white one, a pure one. And him who sat on, on it, from whom's presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. The physical creation seems to be the first victim of the day of wrath. Seems that the physical creation will be put away. The sinfulness of this planet, just in the physical planet, will be put away and done away with. And the heaven will be done away with. And it will flay away. It will run away. This throne will be someplace in the limitless outer space. Verse 12. 
And when I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open, another book was open, and the book of life, and the dead were judged by the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The dead will be judged. Every person who dies will stand before this throne. No living person will be judged at this judgment. In other words, any person resurrected before this time will be considered the righteous who take place in part of the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. You want to be part of the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. The person here that will be dead and they will be judged and they are dead and judged by their deeds. They'll come forth good deeds to a resurrection of life. John 5.29 says, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. This will be the resurrection of judgment, the second resurrection. You do not want to be a part of this. The books will be opened. Books will be opened that seem to have a list of all your evil deeds. Everything that went against the law of God will be written in these books. The opening of the books so that everything will be known. And it seems like everything will be known in public. Everyone will know what's in your book. Your judgment, <laughs> their moral person who judges others, you will stand and receive a worse judgment on that day. Jeremiah 17.10 says, according to the results of his deeds. The deeds will show your cemented heart. Your deeds will show sin because of your cemented heart. Evil deeds will be written down. The actions of every person will be recorded. And other books were opened. Other books Probably other books showing the righteous things that you did or the good things you did. And if you have a stoned heart, a cemented heart, you can't do anything good. So that book will be open and there'll be nothing there. You'll be, the righteous acts will be written down and there'll be none for you. And one of these books will be the words of Jesus Christ, John 12, 47. The word I spoke to you will judge him in the last day. The, one of them will be a good Greek New Testament and a good Hebrew Old Testament. And it will be opened up. And the book of life, another book will be opened. And that's the where all the elect in God will be written down. And it will be written in ink. <laughs> and your name, if you stand before this great white throne, will not be in there. But we'll double check just in case God made a mistake. But your name will not be there. The righteous dead cannot, cannot stand this judgment. The degrees of punishment will be given out. The Bible talks about degrees of punishment. Luke 12, 47 talks about people receiving many lashes and those who did not know committing deeds worthy of a flogging but receive a few. There will be a difference in punishment. Somehow on the lake of fire, there'll be a difference of punishment. The Mark 12, 40 says, Devour widows, houses, and appearances for the sake, offer long prayers. These will receive a greater judgment. In other words, the hypocrites in church will receive a greater judgment. And if you have repented of your sins and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you won't be at this judgment. Ezekiel 18:21 says, or 22 says, all his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him. God won't remember your 
sins. Revelation 20.13 says, And the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and the death in Hades and gave up their dead that were in them. And they were judged, and every one of them according to their deeds. The second resurrection will happen, and the sea will give up their dead. The death in Hades will give up their dead. There will be a resurrection to judgment. The bodies of the wicked will be given a body that can fill the torment that will last forever. Everlasting contempt, Daniel 12 says. Judgment will be individual and specific. You'll be judged, not your family, not you and your wife. You will be judged. Verse 14, the death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. You'll experience the second death. You will be alongside in the lake of fire with death and Hades. Because after the lake of fire, after the great war at throne, there's no need for death and Hades because there will be no sin. Ever. And both came into existence because Adam sins. Both of them will be destroyed when there's no more possibility of sin. The second death will happen. The second death is when you will be separated from God. The first death is when you're soul is separated from this body. Second death is when your soul (laughs) is separated from God. Verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. The verdict will be an eternal verdict in the lake of fire. But God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to repent. Paul had to come up with new words to explain how terrible it was for a moral sinner to store up wrath. He wanted you to know that doing good things will not save you. He wants you to know that God desires for you to be saved. And it happens by trusting the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf, going to a cross, Breaking, shedding, dying for your sins. You can take... If you have a cemented heart, you can take home all three of these trays. Are there three? All four of these trays. You can eat all the crackers on here. And it won't change a thing in your heart. You can drink all the juice that's on here and it won't change a thing in your heart. You need to repent. You need to repent. Um, I didn't have time to go through the hymnal. Okay? but So I'm going to assume. Old days... If the pastor said, get out your hymnal, what would you get out? You would get your Bible out. And you'd turn to the book of Psalms. And we'd either read one of those Psalms, or we'd sing one of those Psalms, or maybe I had a musician that came up with a melody for one of those Psalms, and we would sing a psalm. And you know what we'd find if we sang through the Psalms? We'd find a whole lot of depressing songs. Because a lot of them talk about the wrath of God. 
a lot of them. So you know what we did? Us, we got tired of reading and singing psalms because they were too much of a downer. So we made a hymnal. And we collected songs, we put them in a hymnal. And you know what we found? A lot of those songs were about the wrath of God. You know what we did? Later on, we got tired of singing those hymnals. Now they're old hymnals. Now they're used you know, and stored up in one of our rooms over here. And we're not looking at them anymore. We got new hymnals. You know why? Because there's too much wrath in the last one, so we had to get a one that would not be so wrathful now. But you know what? The people with cemented hearts still have a problem with our hymns. So what do we got to do? Well, we got to change. And we get some new songs that are a little bit less wrathful. You can't run away from the wrath of God. I don't care what sunglasses you put on, you will still see the wrath of God tomorrow. And if you do not repent, your cemented heart will get you to a place where you stand before a throne that will be great, white, throne. And every deed you do will be judged. And every sin you commit will be shown. And every evil thought you have will be talked about. And God will sentence you to a lake of fire that you will stay in forever. Till you pay your debt forever. I don't want you there. Make sure that you in your heart of hearts have repented of your sins. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. Praise you and thank you, Father. I pray, Father, first off for the people in the room that maybe are storing up wrath for them themselves because they've never accepted you. I pray, Father, that you would be with them, that you would help them to repent today and then give testimony tonight. I pray, Father, that you would help us as a church to tell the people of the city we live in that there is hope. And the hope is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray, Father, that you would be with us each and every day. Thank you, Father, that there is a way of escape through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.